This is the first word of 2012, and that makes it extremely important to God, and I hope it's important to you. I hope you understand the importance of, of new beginnings, new starts. Genesis chapter 8, verse 22. It's a covenant that God is making with all mankind as long as the earth endures. As long as the earth endures, seed time and... and see, see, English, it, it creates so many problems. In Hebrew, there's no word and. Okay? That's actually one word in Hebrew. So God is making a promise, a covenant He will never break. As long as the earth endures, seed time, harvest. One word. As long as the earth endures, seed time, harvest at the same time. Cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night will never cease. Amen. Amen. Today's topic, if you like, is broad, but it, it, it's extremely important. Something that you might think can, you know, it, it's, it's um, trite, but it isn't. How do we grow through the seasons? I'm not going to read each one of these scriptures, but if you add the three of them together, they will give you a doctrine or an understanding of how seasons work. Genesis 8, what we just read, God promises for all of your life, seed time harvest will continue. In Ecclesiastes, if you've ever buried anybody, <laughs> you'll know Ecclesiastes 1 to 8. What does that say? There's a time for everything. Okay, they read it at every funeral. But this says there's a time to sow and there's a time to reap. Okay? And if you add that together with Galatians that says a man will reap what he sows. Basically, what God is saying is this. He has made the earth and he has promised this. Everything on this earth, every plant, all animal life, and every one of you will be subjected to seasons. You're not going to be able to avoid them. Next slide, please. Take a look at these. Understanding. You know when your car breaks down, Brenda? <laughs> you know when your car breaks down and you bring it into a garage? They put it up on a crank and they put it over your head. And the mechanic takes you and he brings you and you stand under. Understanding. You stand under the thing and you look up and you go, now I can see what the problem is. And that's what we need to do with seasons. You need to take springtime because you're in them whether you like it or not. You need to think about the summertime of your life, the winter of your life, the autumn, the spring. And you need to stand under them and begin to understand them. You see, the fact that you are going to go through seasons is a promise. It's a covenant. Now a covenant and a contract, two very different things. Two words we use every day. But they're very different things. A contract is really man's term. God doesn't make contracts, folks. A contract is made by equals, entered into by equals, and anybody, any one of those two parties can break it. Any one of those parties can walk away at any time. A covenant couldn't be more different. A covenant is made by one who is greater with one who is lesser. And it is not dependent upon the lesser. Now, I hope you're listening, folks, because it can bless the rest of your life. Do you get the point? You are going to go through seasons whether you like it or not. God's not consulting you 
God's not asking you about whether you want to have a good season, a bad season. God's not going to do that. In Genesis, when he made the earth, he entered a promise, a covenant, you will not always be in summer. I promise you, I make a covenant with you for the whole of your life. You and everything I have created will be perennial. You are going to pass through seasons. And I'll explain why in a moment. Now, it's a very good thing for you to accept that. But, well, pretty obvious why. Because many people struggle their whole life long to stay in summer. And it makes them unhappy. And they can't understand the seasons of life. They can't understand why they should have to go through a season of discipline or a season of structure or a season of order. They don't understand. They don't understand their lives. Next slide, please. And if you get this right, it can affect every part of your life. Imagine, Jeanette, if we entered into marriage and I thought it was going to be a continual summer. It's a good job you didn't think that, isn't it? <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Imagine it. I mean, how stupid would you be to get married and think that every day is going to be rosy? Is it not true that great blessings come from troubles? Is it true or is it not? Don't you just love someone when they stick with you through bad times? Absolutely. And God in His wisdom has created seasons and you are going to go through them. And the sooner you accept that in every area of your life, the happier you will be. So if we have a bad day, it's okay. Because morning's coming. Right? If we have a bad day, it's not the end of the world. We'll get through it. We'll get over it. It's the same for churches. Churches are not always in summer. And you need to get used to that because congregations tend to put a lot of pressure on you. When you like we did with evangelism. We did a lot of evangelism. And people come and say, why don't we do evangelism? It's not always that particular season. And you need to learn to relax a little bit. Right? No problem. Let me finish. Do you know how churches grow? People think churches grow like this in a straight line, straight up, but they don't. Churches grow like this. They go up and down, but not as low as they were. And up and down, but not as low as they were. Up and down, but not as low as they were. Do you get it? Continually up, there's a season, you see. There's seasonal changes. And it's very foolish to think. Listen to me. It's very foolish to think just because I'm not evangelizing. For example, just an example. Nothing's happening. Wouldn't that be silly? That's like a farmer sowing seed and then saying, well, nothing's happening. No, plenty's, plenty's happening your seed, but you also need to cooperate with whatever God is doing in the house, in your church, in your marriage, in your church, in your life. Cooperate with the season. Discern the season. Are you listening? Yes. Discern the season of 2012. And don't get stuck in a rut. This church has come a great road. A great path, a very interesting path, but it's got a long way to go. And it is vital that you understand that and that you don't look for what you did last year or what you did the year before, but that you discern the season that you're entering into. You can say amen there. 
It's good for your marriage. It's hel- it, it brings about healthy churches when congregations, not just leaders, when congregations understand we're going to do different things and that will only bless us. How can you run a business? And many of you I know are intending to do that. How can you hope to have a successful business if you don't appreciate seasons? You know Donald Trump, you know the man with the funny hair? I remember him. They wanted him to give a one-word answer about what's the difference between a successful business and a failure. And after pausing for a moment, you know what he said? Patience. Patience. He said, they, they give up. They expect everything to come tomorrow. Everything's going to be summer, right? Foolishness. Patience. They need to learn to go through the winter. They need to learn to sow their seed. The average, or 80% of businesses fail within the first three years because they don't appreciate seasons. Don't appreciate if you're going to plant grapes or something, it could take seven years for that tree to come to any maturity, right? And the average business doesn't make any money anyway for three years at least. So you begin to understand if you can get this right, all of the different areas and you as a person you're going to be blessed. The Christian life is actually not advanced by seeking one season. It's hindered by that. The Christian life is advanced by accepting all of the seasons. And it's only ever advanced that way. Today is the last Sunday of Pui. Where are you? There she is. Give her a round of applause there. Pui. Pui has been absolutely outstanding, absolutely outstanding. And her service to us, her dedication has been superb. She's been brilliant. And you think, oh, wow. You know, I, I, of all the Christians we've worked with, I couldn't put enough praise or credit to her name, I tell you. She's been excellent. And you know why? You, 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 you could ask, well, where do you get Christians like that? Because there's been many seasons in this church. This church had Winston season, if you like, where you go up and down and then we came and you go up and down, Pastor Tonkin, you go up and down. All changes. Never blinked. Never blinked. Never changed her attitude. Never changed her commitment. Utterly steady. Utterly faithful. Totally committed. Not looking at what's happening. Not affected by the season. Not affected by the changes. Now, How on earth do you create a Christian like that? Let me give you an option, uh, multiple choice. (laughs) Do you think 15 years ago there was a conference on? A weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And we went to the conference, and at that conference, bang! God touched your life, and since that day everything's been great? Or do you think that over the rigors of discipline... By learning to be steady and committed in all seasons, in season and out. Which way do you think that maturity came? The second way. And it is a, you see, could I have the next slide, please? When you start looking at these seasons, please listen, folks, and please heed my warning. There are many false summers, and it kills your seed. That's what it does. You come here every Sunday. 
and you receive the seed of the Word of God. Be careful of it. Jesus told a big parable all about that. And he said, if you don't understand this, you'll understand nothing. And you'll never see fruit or growth in your life. You've got to get this. He was talking about the principle of really false summers. You can have false starts and we get them all the time. This conference is on or that conference is on. And people are looking for an easy way, an easier way. And so they go and they get some experience. Does it work? No. Those experiences are good. I've been to many great conferences that have really blessed us, haven't we? I don't, you know, I'm not speaking derogatorily of that. Carry on. No problem. I just want you to understand there's a difference between the seed and the soil. You go to the conference, you're the soil. You're receiving seed. It's a, there's two different operations here. Good seed, Pui. So, sorry, good soil. Good, good soil. Good soil. And then you can go to all the conferences you want. But just receiving seed, what does knowledge do? It puffs people up. And they go to these conferences and come back. And it's a one-hit wonder. And of course, it doesn't last. And what do those people become? It's a false summer. Anything they got at, the, at whatever they went to can be spoiled or wasted because of immaturity in terms of actually how the Christian life, how we truly grow. Because it's not a one-hit wonder. It's, it's a long-term thing. And you can take those seeds. Please do. But you need to nurture them in the, the soil of your heart and your whole being. So beware of false summers, but it would be the most popular season. And God has promised it to us, seed time harvest. It means this, constantly in my life, there will be areas where I have previously sown and I will be harvesting. But there will be other areas where I'm required to sow. Seed time harvest. It's continuous depending on my previous actions. It's a constant reality. This is God's covenant. I promise you, seed time harvest together all the days of your life. But you must cooperate, embrace all of these seasons because they have a purpose. And only going through them do we ever produce anything of value, anything of worth. Summer's popular. That's fine. No problem. And then comes autumn. <laughs> Autumn's not so popular. Autumn's a time of pruning and a time of cutting away. Like when you've been in the same job a long time, Brenda. And it's time to go. When you've worked faithfully for years, John. Many years, John. And it's time to retire. That's scary. You think that's scary? <laughs> that's scary. Because you think it's autumn time. So much of your identity, you know, can be tied up with what you do. It's just a fact. And when that is taken away, that's a pruning. And that is painful. And you've got to learn what's changing. The season is changing. And I know that this is the promise of God. I know that this is the only way that good things happen anyway. So I will embrace these changes. I will walk boldly into that future. Believing for the promises and heeding the warnings that God puts before me. We, are, we should all be going through, and I know most of us are, changes as we proceed with God. I remember traveling with Ray Belfield. Ray, Pastor Ray, you know Ray? Ray with the gray hair, talks a lot. 
Ray led the biggest church in Britain. 2,000 members at that time. That was the biggest church in the UK. It was in Manchester. And he, I mean, at one stage, they, it was a season. They were moving and healing. And people were being healed left, right. It was a real thing, a real season. And the BBC got involved. And he was front page news across the UK. And he was telling me about this season of his life. And then they moved him here and moved him there. And he did different works. And just a little throwaway line from an elderly man who served the Lord through all of these and background. He's 80-something now. And a little line as he was driving along. And he said, you know what, Mike? You need to learn. Never try to live up to your past achievements. I remember that. And for him, it was just conversation. For me, it was like catching a nugget of gold from someone who's been there and is still going and is happy. You understand? Someone who's been through summer in, in full beauty, right? Achieved total, the, the goal of the kingdom to impact a nation. Achieved that and then goes in to lose that and then into total anonymity where he's doing administration, etc., for different areas around the world. So you understand, in, in order for you to actually proceed with God, you're going to have to grow up and not just look for summer all the time because that's childish. But autumn comes, friends. We have our summer and each of us, believe me, you will have your autumn. It comes in the form of death. My mother died this year. That's an autumn. That's a pruning. That's a taking away something that I feel because she prayed so much for me. It's a pruning and it's hard. It's never easy. You can change your job or you may just be getting older, which is your autumn. It's the pruning away of the years. You need to embrace that, not reject it. Walk into it. Walk into it. Receive it and do make the best out of the years that you have. So summer comes Autumn comes, and then winter. Now, why, tell me, why do we have winter anyway? <laughs> Rest, exactly. Because you'll destroy your soil. The reason there is a winter is because the, you cannot just constantly take the nutrients from the soil, or the soil becomes worthless. God created the earth, not you. God created the system, and He's made a covenant about it. And as long as this earth remains, winter will continue because soil needs rest. You know, some pastors think rest is a bad word. And do you know how a farmer rests his soil? So a pastor needs to rest his church. And so when you push and say, well, you know, we should always do this. We you don't understand the nature of Christian growth or the nature of church's growth. Because rest is a good thing. It's not a bad thing. Rest produces good fruit from you. But if all you do is you get stuck in this perpetual seeking of your own false created summer, then you're not heeding the work of God. It's His work, and He wants it to be edible, something good. Okay? So rest is not a sin, rest is a season. Rest is not a sin. Rest is a season, and it's an essential season. 
And I would say to all of you, if you do not rest, you're a very foolish person. Very quiet. <laughs> I tell you, a lot of the Asians, particularly Chinese Asians, you know what I'm talking about. Come on. Singaporeans, put your hand up. Right? One of the most high-pressurized countries on earth. Folks, I'm not joking. I spent six toms just come back. It's a sad sight when you, when you go and you see the, 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 the sheer driven nature. Tell them to take a rest. They think you're the devil. <laughs> you understand? So, you've got to be careful that your culture doesn't trip you up. You've got to be careful. We don't serve a culture. We serve a kingdom. And God says, rest. He says there is, amen, the Lord rested. And if your fruit becomes unedible, if your evangelism becomes something that people don't want, and yet you continue to work that soil and work that soil, you know what you need to do? Just shut up a minute. Just shut up a minute. Go through the rigors of the seasons and let some good seed actually take root in you. And then produce good fruit. You can say amen. Come on, folks. This is the way that we grow, both individually and collectively. But it's not popular. Okay? I made bread for many years. And this, this whole autumn winter time, it's very symbolic. No wonder Jesus talked about bread so much. You know that cheap white rubbish you buy in the shop and you eat? <laughs> That's bleached junk. I tell you, it's real rubbish. It's, it's just bleached. It's rubbish. It's rub if you made bread, you would understand how poor the quality is of that stuff and what you're actually eating. Um, the difference between good bread and bad bread? Time. Time and this. Whack. That's the difference. You take the bread, you mix up your dough, you put in a little yeast, and then you cover it over in a place where no one can see it. You take your bread and you hide it. And it's anonymous for a period, not in sight of anyone underneath a cloth. But great things are happening in that winter time, in that autumn time. It's hidden. And then the yeast begins to work and it, it forms what's called gluten, like a web, and it starts to rise the bread. And you know what? When you take that bread out from the cupboard, it looks great. It's in a tin, they're in a bowl. And it's risen up to about three, four times its size. And you look at it and you go, that's excellent. Whack. That's what you do. <laughs> it's called knocking it back. That's what it's called. And the more times you knock that bread back, that's where the flavor comes from. So when you go over to a, a deli and you buy a nice loaf of bread, the only reason that bread tastes good is because some baker took time and let the thing grow and then he gave it an almighty thump and he needed it please listen to me folks you see when things are going really well for you and then whack just when everything was so right we waited for years for this we did this for this we did it. and it was just the way we, and then whack if you don't understand seasons, that's enough to knock you out of your faith. It's enough to knock you out of ministry, to knock you out of the church, because we have an immature attitude to how we grow. 
Uh, read your Bible. Just take a look. Ma- whether it's Elijah on the mountaintop or whoever, as, so- as soon as Peter, you know, you are the Christ, the next minute he denies him. As soon as that dough, as soon as your soil starts to rise, believe me, there's a, there, there's a hammer coming, right? But that's not bad. That's not bad. All that's doing, it's, it's revealing to you who you are, and it's creating within you greater and greater quality in the Christian life, provided you endure the seasons. No, you cannot skip them. You cannot get out of them. This is the covenant. God's not asking you. Many people want to skip the seasons. Many people, they don't want to have a winter. They certainly don't want to have an autumn because they get used to a certain way of life. And then to have to give up that way of life, what? Autumn is a, is a scary thing, just like winter. You see? But there is no other way. This is a covenant. Last one, spring. Again, it's popular. It's a time of a second chance, a new beginning, coming into spring in the next few weeks, next few months. And I repeat, the Christian life your Christian life, my Christian life, is perennial. Okay? I will go through seasons. And I need to prepare myself for that. Right? need to grow up, prepare myself for that, put my armor on, and get ready to serve the Lord in all of these. I repeat, if I become the sort of Christian that only seeks summer, I am going to be one miserable Christian. Because dedicated, trustworthy Christianity, as you see in the likes of Pui here, is not created in that sort of person. They are fickle. The Bible calls them a leaning wall, a rickety stick. Those who cannot be depended upon. But it's a much deeper thing that God is looking for. Last slide, please. Just a few very brief pieces of advice about seasons. Whatever you do, number one, what? Don't get stuck in one. We are supposed to keep moving and you should be looking for that in your life. If there isn't some form of change in you, then something's wrong. Stagnation is not perennial. It's not seasonal. What's happening? There should be changes, right? There should be progression of some sort. But for a thousand reasons, people get stuck. We used to visit this lady. I mean, maybe we shouldn't have bothered Jeanette, but... We visited her for ages. We were extremely patient with this woman. Poor, did she get stuck. She got stuck in a season, but I felt sorry for her. Her mother had died. Her mother died in the house, and the pastor was dealing with a couple of other deaths. The pastor didn't visit when the mother died, and he had two other funerals to do. But the mother wasn't a member in the church, only the daughter was. And then they buried the mother and the pastor comes late and said, oh, sorry, we were tied up with two members. You understand? (coughs) Two members that we had to bury. Now let's get to your mother. Well, she couldn't get over it. So when we first went to see her, when we took over a particular church, we go in and this lady is sitting there. And it's a sad way to end your Christian life after being saved for like 40 years. There's no love in the church. 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 I said, okay, okay. The number of times I've heard that. <laughs> okay, what we want you to do is we're going to pray about that. 
and we're going to get this out of your system because that is a very common statement. So I want you to forgive, you know, Pastor Joe, we'll call him. <laughs> Not you, Joe. <laughs> we're just going to let him go, right? And you're going to move on. Did she? <laughs> we would be visiting three months later. There's no love in the church. 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 There's no. Two years later, there's no love in the church. There's no love in the church. Now, the problem was originally a pastor's mistake. Now, what's the problem? You're the problem. You had an absolutely valid, you know, bit of grief in the beginning. And there was a problem. Problems happen all the time. You need to get over that, right? So you need to forgive the guy and move on. So he's no longer the problem. By the way, he's getting on with his life. He's fine. <laughs> and you're stuck here. You are stuck in a season of bitterness and it is going to destroy your life. And so it did. And I, I don't know where that woman ever ended up. But don't get stuck, friends. For some of you, you will be making the same mistake. That's stuck. The same mistake in, in, in multiple seasons of your life, whether it's in your business for example, let's say you can't keep your mouth shut. Is there anybody here like that, Gordon? Oh, sorry. <laughs> Turn to Genesis chapter 40. <laughs> Turn to Genesis chapter 40. You know, there was a young man called Joseph. And Joseph had a problem. What was it? Couldn't keep his mouth shut, right? Had to tell his brothers about his coat. Had to tell his brothers how much he was loved, blah, blah, blah. And that problem nearly got him killed. They threw him in a pit. He ended up being carried off into Egypt all because he can't keep his mouth shut. Now listen, he's been in prison. He's locked up. He's probably never going to get out. And he's down in the prison. And after all of this, he still can't keep his mouth shut. Genesis chapter 40. Genesis 40 verse 14. And the cupbearer, you know the story? You know Joseph's story, don't you? The cupbearer and the baker are being sent back up to Pharaoh. And Joseph, instead of leaving it to God, R.T. Kendall brings this point out in his book. He's an expert on Joseph. And I thought it was a great, it cost Joseph two more years in prison. Verse 14, but when all goes well with you, this is Joseph talking to the butler and the baker. Rem when all goes well with you, remember me to Pharaoh and show me kindness. Mention me to Pharaoh and get me out of prison. Couldn't keep his mouth shut. And Kendall points out, I thought it was a fantastic point, the same problem that got him nearly killed, put him in a prison, and all these years later, he still can't stop trying to help God out. He's still stuck. See, Joseph should mean he was, they reckon it was 14, wasn't it, whenever it, the coat and all that incident. So you're talking many years later. He's now maybe approaching 30. And he's still acting like a child. I mean, are there any men here in their 30s who act like a 10-year-old? Careful, girls. <laughs> Don't get stuck. Don't get stuck anymore. Remember the U2 song? You got, I thought it was a cracking single, actually. The video was excellent. You got to get yourself together. You got stuck in a moment. And you can't get out of it. Now, whatever gets you stuck in your business, probably going to look at this a little bit next week. Whatever gets you stuck in your business, probably the same problem can get you stuck in your marriage. Probably the same problem get you stuck in other relationships. Right? So if you can deal with it, because you're one person, it's you in the home, it's you in the workplace, you know. 
So it could be the same problem. So you look at yourself and see if any particular thing is just catching you, catching you all the time and getting you halted instead of progressing through the seasons. You can find it. You can analyze yourself. Second one, don't rush out of any season until that season has finished its work in you, right? Many people in a hurry, many young men in a hurry. Why should I have to study? Why should I have to go to college? I'll take a year out. Why should I have to do extra classes or further training? Many people don't want to go, don't value the season. In fact, look at Matthew's gospel, Matthew chapter 4. You see Jesus with exactly the opposite attitude. Matthew chapter 4 verse 12. I mean, this is amazing, folks, the humility of Jesus. Matthew chapter 4 verse 12. When Jesus heard that John the Baptist had been put in prison, he withdrew to Galilee, leaving Nazareth, and he went and lived in Capernaum, which is by the lake. And from there on, he goes into ministry. Now, can you imagine, folks, Jesus Christ growing up? But it's not summer. It's winter. You're not allowed to do anything. You're in hiding. Right? You're covered. And he ca- they're, bringing, they're carrying dead bodies past his front door to bury them every day. Can you imagine, like, I, I, could, I, could, I could raise that one from the dead, you know. I could heal the sick. What about when the next door neighbor died? What about when kids maybe he played with and some of them were dying? The temptation to just come out of hiding, to come out of winter. But he had to, for 30 years, he had to wait in a dark season and wait. What did Donald Trump say? <laughs> Patience. He had to wait and wait and wait until God, through John, he was waiting for the message that John the Baptist had been put in prison. And that was the sign to him that it was now safe for him to leave one season. Don't rush. He didn't. It was now time for him because God was moving him from one season to the next. And that's where you're covered. That's where you're safe. That's where your ministry, your career, whatever it is, can bear fruit because you're moving under, or or people, it can be both involved. I like having both involved, God and people, because it's like double security. So this is, an as we start 2012, you will not get a, a better chance to advance yourself in seed time harvest this year. The days are short. Time is limited. And I think if anyone puts their hands to the plow right now, God will be with you. Amen? Amen? Like, I don't know, any generation that's facing what we are facing. I don't know about you, but 2011 I thought was horrendous. Have you seen a worse year? Wow! Wow! Remember, there were more disasters in the first six months of 2011 than the whole of 2010. Wow! It's been a phenomenal time. We need to embrace these things. And I ask you to do it in your marriage. How is it? What season are you in? Embrace that season, right? And learn to enjoy it. Learn to get through it. What about your business, your career, your ministry, or us as a church? Where are we? There's changes to come, but that's good. That's very, very good. Let me invite the worship team back. I'm just going to ask you to bow your heads one moment. 
I'm just going to pray for a few people here that I know are going through major seasonal changes. I ask you to join me in prayer. Lord, I pray for John. I thank you for his years of faithful service in the schools and in other places where he has worked. And I ask you to bless his future. God, open doors for him. Make a way for him. Lord, we pray for Ian and Brenda as they look to the future also, that you will make the way clear to them in all that they are doing. For Chris and Eileen, as they're in a transition period, would you bless them and guide them? And every other person here, we commit them to you. But God, especially, and above all this morning, we want to lift Pui. And she leaves us and goes out of this place. We thank you for all that she has done and all that she has been as an example of a fully seasoned Christian. Someone who's been through the rigors and the disciplines of summer, winter, autumn, and spring, and therefore is not wilted or twisted by anything that can come her way. We thank you for her. Bless her future. We ask it in Jesus' name. Let's just stand, folks.